White Rocket Entertainment. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 416. Hello and welcome to the White Rocket Podcast, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment in association with all of our great supporters via Patreon.com. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and this is a very, very special episode covering a very, very special event that happened at DragonCon 2019. In the science fiction literature track this year, they put on an entire panel just talking about my books. And the moderator is Larry Davis, who kind of leads us through the various things I've written over the years. You'll also hear from James Palmer, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, Bobby Nash, and Bobby Polite, as well as myself. This is one of the most amazing things that's ever happened to me in my life. It absolutely made my year, (laughs) my life, and I was fortunate enough that I remembered to record it so that those who were not able to be there, and we had a good crowd there, plus six people up on the panel, uh, will be able to hear it. And in it, we uh, Larry kind of leads our group in a conversation over not just you know my writing in particular, but in general the idea of creativity and writing, collaboration with other people, with other writers, with artists, uh, and you get insights on all these processes from particularly from Bobby Nash, from Jared Albrick, uh, Bobby Polite, and I talk a bit about how the Sentinels originally came together and how we first got publishing going back in the dark ages of the 1990s when there really was no, not much in the way of, of small press or self-publishing or anything like that, uh, how we got all the way up to where we are today. So I hope you enjoy this panel from DragonCon 2019 in the sci-fi literature track. And again, thanks so much, by the way, to Sue Phillips and the other folks there and to Larry Davis, who was the organizing force behind it. Here is the Van Allen Plexico panel from DragonCon 2019. So, welcome to the panel on Van Allen Plexico. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) And thank you all so much. uh, This idea for this began to emerge about a year and a half ago. Oh my gosh. Uh, And so we've been working on making it happen since then and and it has has come together and, and we have a lot of luminaries up here on the stage with us. Uh, Where did you hide Stellar assembly of friends and uh, fellow authors, otherwise known as liars, who are not promising that anything they're going to say is true. I've already heard about this. So uh, I'm not an author. I'm Larry Davis and I'm just moderating. Everybody tell me, tell us who you are so you can, you know, sell, tell us who you are and sell something. Uh, I'm James Palmer. I uh, write science fiction, pulp adventure, uh, giant monsters, uh, Lovecraftian stuff. Uh, That's me. (laughs) I'm Jared Albrecht. Uh, I'm known as the yard sale artist because I paint on people's garbage. (laughs) And make big money off of it. Sometimes people buy it. (laughs) Buy their own garbage bag. (laughs) Got paint on it. It's a good plan. Uh, I'm Bobby Nash, uh, as, as was mentioned, professional liar. Um, I write stuff for a living. Um, I write novels, comics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you fight the traffic and make it that way, I'm in, I'm in on the fourth floor of the America's Mart, Building 2. 
uh, table 331. Come find me. Uh, Jared's also in there. Van's mm-hmm. also in there. So Thanks for the pimp. I don't know your table number or I would have said it, but... It's all right. Look for the look, look for the fence. He's, <laughs> look for the painted garbage. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you know who I am, because uh, this is that's kind of I guess what we're here for. And War Eagle. Yeah. War Eagle. <laughs> uh, I'm Bobby Polite. Uh, I'm a software engineer, um, and uh, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> you do too. Stop <laughs> it. I fear. All right. So I would I'll, if I had another title for this panel, it would be 50 minutes is not enough. <laughs> I got to thinking about the multiple universes that he writes in, and there's the universe where the Sentinels appear. There's this universe that I'm going to broadly call the universe of the machine. Okay, that's fair. Uh, because that covers a lot of things. Yeah. And then, then there's a new thing, this Alpha Omega that has just been brought out. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday. So, and I believe it's still available. Yep. In limited quantities, but yeah, there's a, there may be one or two left. What else? And I, I'm going through my list of things, and there are many more because I didn't bring the omnibus, the, the, the short story omnibus, but the Griffin. I remember the Griffin. Yeah. That's, uh, that was in the Lance Star, uh, one of the Lance Star. Oh, yeah, the Lance Star yeah. stuff. And then Gideon Kane, mm-hmm. and he, some Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other thing he does, and it's called Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> And there's two books out of that. This is being, uh, I, last I saw, sci-fi. We will probably not get into the football books, but there are two if you're Auburn or actually, I, I had actually never heard any of that stuff till the, he re, you have to come to his reads, by the way, uh, until he read it this afternoon and it's absolutely brilliant. It was just brilliant. And I'm not an Auburn fan. I'm not an anything fan. I went to Emory. We don't have a football team. I went to, I went to Emory too, by the way. And yeah, we're you still are, undefeated at football. Did, yeah, you ought to do a, con- you ought to do a convention with this man in Alabama. <laughs> like the news comes out to talk to Van, ignores everybody, other other guests at the convention to come talk to Van. The George uh, Clooney. Uh, uh, yeah, he's like a fandom. He's like royalty yeah. down in Birmingham. Yeah, they love because it. of those two books in the podcast. Yes, so and there it's, you go. It's 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 a wonder to watch. Well, I, <laughs> but let's let's uh, we could and the crime novel. Hell yeah, a Vegas heist. And the crime. Vegas heist, yes. Which is turning into uh, Harper and Salsa, basically Rob stuff, because I'm working on Miami Heist now. This is the best copy ever. You've got all of these different universes, and that's why I say 50 minutes is not enough. All right. But let's start with the Sentinels, because the Sentinels is where I came in. That's Uh, where I started, really. in, in, In 30 seconds, I'll just say that I was sitting on a couple of panels with Van several years ago, and I thought it would be polite to read something if you're sitting on a panel with somebody. So I bought, you know, his this big omnibus book of the first three Sentinels novels. And I had in mind, that I, I, t- I love to tell this story, that I would sit up at night and read, read a chapter or two and then go to bed. So I would read a chapter or two and then a chapter or two more and go, well, they're really short, I'll just read another one. And it would be 10 o'clock and then it would be midnight and it would be two in the morning and I'll be going, what am I doing? And so uh, it was a very fast, forward-moving read. You remember all that? Karen's looking at me. I would just sit up at night and read. The, uh, so it was a very forward-moving, fast-paced, easy-to-get-into writing and hard-to-put-down. And so that just drew me into the writings of Van Plexico. So, uh, but that, Bobby had something to do with that, so I've asked he him did. to kind of talk about that. That's uh, why he's, he didn't know why he was here. He said, he know, this is why he's here. Well, let's see. I guess I met Van. We both went to Auburn together. We did and didn't know each other. But we didn't know each other. We got introduced by a mutual friend afterwards because we both liked the Avengers and this friend knew that we did. 
and uh, we started talking and uh, we both wanted to create comic books but neither of us can draw so uh, we sat down and we had all these ideas and Van brought the Sentinels and I had a bunch, a of, stuff. bunch of stuff and so we decided to write what we referred to at the time as graphically challenged comic books. <laughs> Basically, we were putting together short stories, and each one of them was supposed to be kind of an issue of uh, a universe. And we wrote 15, 20 of them, I guess. A lot of stories. And then we started putting them together in kind of a book, and we had a... a, a we got them printed at Kinko's? And there were even some, this was cool, was where we would like swap back and forth and you would write part and I would write part right. and we would rewrite and it got to where you couldn't tell who had written what. And that was awesome. That was the first time I'd ever done that and it was absolutely you know, life-changing in the sense of I really enjoy doing this I want to keep doing this. Well, yeah. for me, writing, writing is really hard for me. I love plotting stuff. And so my favorite stuff was sitting down and just talking about what we wanted to write in the stories. I would go over to his house and we just have these sessions and he would take all these notes and we would get this idea of what we wanted to write and how it would go and I'd write part of it and he'd write part of it and then it would almost never meet up <laughs> and then we'd have to go back and work it together so that it would it would take the the whatever new ideas either one of us had come up with and make it into one coherent story yeah and we eventually ended up with a, with a book we ended up with a book. It was self-publishing before that was even a thing. Mm -hmm. We basically got it printed at Kinko's. We had it have it cropped, which was really difficult because it was really thick. And we bought this um, like that. this mm -hmm. binding machine that was a hot glue binder. So you take the pages and you have a folder and you slide them down in there and it would heat them up and the pages would slide down. And then when you were done, you had a book. And we would give them to friends. We and sent them all over the country. Yeah, they and one of them came back to you at a uh, convention, right? Yeah, Somebody wanted we'll you to sign it. it. Yeah, years and years and years so, later. And I, I can't find a single copy of it anymore. I've got one copy of that in my basement that I've held on to still, yeah. Now, how much of that survived yes. into what became the published Sentinels? Uh, most of the Sentinel stuff, because when... Okay, so... Van went to Singapore and he came back and we won't talk about that. But he was living with me and he had time and so he took all those stories and formed them into that first Sentinels book. Yeah. And it when was like the warlord. Yeah. Right. Okay. And 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 that the the gist of that storyline was in that first novel, but he fleshed it out and made it more of a complete story. So that's that was the genesis of it. And by so flesh it out, I would type some, and then I go, "Hey, Bobby, what do you think would happen now?" I was like, "Well, we could do this." I'm like, "Yeah, I like that." And then I would, yeah, and I would write it. So yeah, Bobby was integral to, the, to especially the first one. As it as it got later along, I got a little more my feet under me plotting. Uh, but there were still times I would come back, like it, like we, we, you and I got together at, at a convention just a couple of years ago when I was writing number eight and nine, finishing up the, right. the nine volume, and I'm like, I. I you know, it's your character, it's my character, we're, we're to this point, I've got to figure out how this happens next. And we just sat there and hashed it out. Right. And I wrote it all down, and that's how it went out. So, yeah, it's, to the, yeah, we're still, yeah, that synergy yeah. still my, my My main character contribution is the Star Knight character, which is the, oh, the cool. set of stories that I wrote cool. originally. So, and he and fit in so perfectly because we did, I, did, I did the first three really about the team coming together and loss and and winning and surviving and what that means and then for the second trilogy because i write them in threes for the second trilogy i wanted it to be more of a cosmic galactic celestial type story and for that kind of a story you need somebody that can go into space and do stuff without having to get a spaceship or aliens or something like the rest of them do 
And Star Knight, Bobby Star Knight character was perfect, right? Because he's a war machine, he's an outer space war machine. So he became super integral to that second trilogy. Well, that was one of that was the, one of the big things we did early on in plotting is that you had this character, you had Vanadium, and you didn't know the holy of the background. Mm-hmm. And so I had an idea of what Star Knight's background was, and with the Verth Run. And just kinda... along the way, I'm just like, hey, Van, can can I tie that together? And so that tied those two characters together and led them into that storyline. And it led perfectly to that storyline because in that middle trilogy, you have you have Vanadium's background enemy, the world mind, like it's a big sentient Death Star full of Terminators. It shows up at Earth, and you have Stellarax, this living sun, which is um, more connected to Star Knight's people. We said were kind of like had a long-standing relationship almost religiously with them. And so right. when, when, when Stellar Axe and Worldmind are there, they're going to fight each other and destroy the Earth. And so you needed characters that could relate and connect to them on a personal level and could interact. Otherwise, they're just faceless entities. Right. You know, so. Right. Yeah. I'm just disappointed Dr. Tron didn't make it in. Dr. Tron. Yeah, some things did get left on the cutting room floor when, when I translated over from our old Renaissance comics to, this, to the Sentinels novels. There were a few things. Yeah. Aren't, aren't there I, some of those wonderful ideas you have as children or when uh, you're younger that when you get a little older, you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> what? Really? You, you, you think that? <laughs> so, James, you've read Sentinels. Talk about that. It's just a, a great story. I, you know, one thing that I really notice about Van is that we kind of like the same sort of stuff. I mean, he has a wide range of interests, but but within that, you know, we, we, we like Dan Simmons' books and Roger Zelazny and, uh, you know, comic books in, in general. I was never a big big Avengers fan. I just never got into them for whatever reason. Um, but the Sentinels has that that feel of the comic books of, of the era, you know, kind of when, when I, well, even me a little bit later growing up, and especially superhero team books. And, and just, interestingly and, and, enough, from my perspective, I never read the Avengers at all growing up. I came to the yeah, Avengers through <laughs> the Sentinels because I thought, okay, so this is sort of Van's take, this is the way I understood it, on how you would write superhero stuff. Maybe if he was writing the Avengers, this is the kind of stuff they would have. I, they, could, they, they could make a worse choice. And uh, a lot worse than they have. But as then I read, you know, begin to read the, the Avenger stuff and become interested in that through the Sentinels. So it's, it, it was kind of a back door to the original that's, stuff. That's, that's yeah. interesting. That's that's interesting. Cool. And it, yeah. And it has cool. the, uh, we both love that cosmic flavor yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up on, you know, reading, uh, reading Silver Surfer and the Infinity Gauntlet and all this, you know, stuff with Thanos. So yeah, whatever happened with that stuff? <laughs> right? Mm. Yeah. They should make a movie with that. Mm. You know? They should make two movies. They should. So, Bobby, you're a, you're a very prolific author, to say the least. So, as an author, what do you think about this Sentinel's work? <clears throat> now, actually, I, I, I actually got to write. Uh, with, did. Uh, very early on. Um, yeah, right. Van did a, Van put together what, what he was, it was uh, alternate voices. It was right. just a, an anthology. He invited a few uh, other yeah. writers to come in and do short stories with which is we could pick characters from the the various sentinels universe so of course you know i had already read the first book but i hadn't read more than that so i went and did a little research and read read some more and uh found a character that that spoke to me and it was, it was a lot of and it was easy to work with i mean you know um 
working with writers who are also editors and publishers sometimes is a little easier than just working for people that just do the one. And I, and I think the work together was, was pretty pretty easy, and and he didn't have any problems with uh, any of the, the things I wanted to do to his character. You know, he just like don't kill him. <laughs> no, in fact, and, I, th- I think that I think the cool thing was that when you sent me your story, I loved it, and then I thought there was something that could be even cooler, and I asked you about it, and you're like, oh yeah, and you yeah, went no and problem. redid it and yeah. did it exactly that same way. You knew exactly what I was talking about. So that was awesome. Yeah, because it's like uh, because at the end of the day, who knows these characters better than you know than the guy that's writing them. Um, and so, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun to play. It's, it's, it's both playing with other people's characters is both fun and nerve wracking Yeah. because you don't want to screw the character up. Yeah. You also don't want fans of the regular novels to read this and go, man, this guy can't write or, you know, has he ever read the novel? Have you ever read a short story or seen something go, these guys have never watched that show that they're <laughs> writing about or yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to be so. So there's a an added responsibility that I feel to. You, you, you've got to be true to the, the the source material, and so that meant not writing the way Van writes, but still making it feel like his character. And but yeah, but they, yeah, they're cool, and I, I I do like his writing. So now I I just realized there's a question I haven't asked, which is how did you come to know Van? I know how we know how he did it. I, you know how I did it. You know, I don't remember where I met you the first time in person. I feel like I've known you forever, yeah, so it's I'm, hard to I'm think pretty, back to the beginning. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, I knew we, we I know we, the, the, the pulp group stuff was in common. There's a lot of the pulp writers. So probably our first meeting was at a con on a what is pulp panel. Have we done one of those? We've done enough of those. Have we done a pulp pulp panel? That yeah, like it's like we we hear that and it's just there's a there's a groan. It's just, but in probably seven states we've done one. Probably. So Jerry, how did you get to know Van? Where did where did y'all meet? Uh, Van and I met in CD bar in Tijuana. Everybody's out there that knows Jerry's like, yeah. Well, you, I, you asked me to prep for the show, so I made notes of favorite van memories, and I wrote A-Team Van and Punisher's Van, but I'm, that's the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go, go, go A-Team. See, I was, not the, I was not the only one thinking roast. <laughs> there's, there the, there's the Scooby-Doo uh, Van. And the Scooby-Doo Mr. Van. Mr. Yeah. No, uh, we, we uh, met via Twitter. Actually, uh, through the Auburn connection. Yeah, oh, that's right. And Auburn then connection. I uh, uh, just tweeted him one time, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm kind of a, a young artist looking for work. Um, maybe I could do a book cover for you." And he said, "Maybe." And I said, um, he, "He said I'll work he, for free." He shared. <laughs> he shared with me a, a Cold Lightning novella. Oh yeah. And I said, "Have you ever thought of turning this into a comic book?" And he said, "Yeah." <laughs> and I said, "Cool." And he said, yeah. <laughs> and then we did. And then we did it. So we I, did, I did yeah. the co- I've got I did, a few copies of that here, by the yeah, way. Yeah, so. at the book table down there. I did a couple yeah. of covers for Van. Uh, you guys one for tweet like a couple of stoners. That's fair. Yeah. And hey, the, the sentence connection, we've done a Pulsar comic now that you brilliantly inked. Yes, I inked, I inked a couple books. We did Pulsar. We did Cold Lightning. Still and, waiting on it to be wrapped those up. those of you who have no idea what we're talking about when we we say pulsar and vanadium and all these read start the with when, when strikes the warlord you know you know you'll read it in like a day because you won't be able to i, I want to you, you oh know my. man this is like an hour-long commercial for you where the hell are your books <laughs> you know in that suitcase over there yeah. <laughs> i'm just saying 
can I, I just a quick poll of the audience. How many people here have read Sentinels? You guys? Okay, a few of you. Oh, good, good, good. I just finished reading the first book. I did it on Audible, actually. It's available on Audible. Pete Mylan. The, the right. fantastic Pete uh, Mylan does great it was, voices. It was great. Characters. And um, I'm going to tell this quick, funny story. I'm, I'm listening to it, and I'm texting Van. I'm like, you've got this, since not everybody's read it, I'll be vague. You've got this really compelling character I think is awesome. I'd like to do a side <laughs> story of. And Van's like, cool. And I'm like, oh, I, I want to team him up with this other character. And Van's like, all right. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to do this. He's like, cool. And I get to the end of the audiobook, and the character I wanted to do died. <laughs> but he didn't ruin it for me. He let me believe in myself for like. Well, I, I but, was gonna say. But see, there's. Uh, a, say, you might want to rethink that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's this thing you can do in comics. Yeah. Where you put this little asterisk next to the title, <laughs> and at the bottom of First page one. one, it says, "This takes place, place before." <laughs> Yep, there's wind strikes. Yeah, that's the, there's the first that. one. Wind strikes so, the And there's the. If you don't like to read, get on Audible. That's what yeah. I did. I'm a cheater reader. And the cup and the art for this stuff is absolutely tremendous. Mm -hmm. Chris Kohler, Chris, um, we had known Chris all the way back to the beginning of uh, when Bobby and I first became friends. I had uh, created the AvengersAssemble.net website, and so Bobby set up a mailing list for it. And next thing we knew, we had like a thousand people around the world that were Avengers fans, and we got to be buddies with all of them online or in person. And one of them, Chris Kohler, out in I guess Portland, that area, out in Seattle, that area, yeah. and he uh, did did a, did a few pieces of art for us. And over the years, it's amazed me watching Chris's art develop. He ended up doing forty-five full-page black and white illustrations for the series, five per book, nine books. And he also did the last three covers, and he did the cover of the art book. And I told him, I said, Chris, if we can finish all nine books, I'm going to put out an oversized book just of your art with my commentary and your commentary. And so he did, and I see I've got you. <laughs> Not to mention, he also did the art for, for Blackthorn. He did, yeah. And yeah, you know, man, he's, he's really talented. Because several yeah. of the Sentinels books, they're on like Death Star type places. And Chris is like, man, I'm getting so tired of drawing straight lines. You know about this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mechanical stuff. And so we did we did uh, Blackthorn Thunder on Mars, an anthology. Bobby's in it. All outside. James is in it. I'm in, I'm in it. Yeah. Where we did basically Thunder the Barbarian mashed up with John Carter of Mars. And and Super Chris yeah, and Chris did one picture for each story. And here's the, the book where basically um, put each of Chris's illustrations along with where he talks about it and I talk about it. I talk about kind of like how it fit in the story and he talks about how he executed it. And so I, this thing is just, a, I, I'm just so glad we got to do this and I'm so glad that we got to finish the whole thing. Working with artists is, is wonderful, but it's also a challenge sometimes because artists, uh, is just different creative types than writers somehow, uh, and at least in my experience. Um, it, it can be it can be difficult because you're not always on the same wavelength it seems like and so just for years and years to have this one artist stick with it and finish it is just you don't know how mind-boggling that is you know mm -hmm. so it's really awesome one of the things that's interesting just for me just sitting here listening is to listen to how all of these people have their interactions that you think well van writes books but it's not just that there's collaboration with other people, starting with Bobby, and then and then other stories. There's collaboration with artists, yep. and all of this happens that way. So, so it's, everybody at this yeah. table has 
been a contributor to the works in a way, one way or the other. Well, plus, and we also have this big convention <clears throat> connection. Yes. I mean, this is not the only one we do. Right, exactly. We see each other around yeah. the country. And, yeah. And so it's it's it, it becomes a bit of a community that it's a way. Family. Cause, that's right. Yeah, because we've got that. It really is. We've got that thing holding us. To, you know. That's right. Yeah. Now the second the second. Uh, other than some short stories, and we, we'll get try and get to those. But goodness, I've utterly forgotten about Thunder. God, there's so much. <laughs> I need to go to Amazon and look at the Van Plexico page. Lord of Light. <laughs> but the um, Demon Dogs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here yeah, go. you Demon Dogs. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. But uh, the next thing I remember of you that came out as a book that I read was Lucian. Okay. And. Near to my heart. I know, and that, and that's what I think you ought to talk about. Where did that come from? What's all of that? Is that Zelazny? My bromance with Roger Zelazny. Yeah, I love Roger Zelazny's writing. And um, I wanted to do something that made me feel to write it like I felt reading the Amber books, particularly. And I liked the idea of the anti-hero who tells a story in the first person, but is an unreliable narrator, right? He's telling you, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And then later you think, you know, he can't be this good. He's making stuff up, you know. And I said, well, if you're going to do that, you might as well just make him basically the devil. And then everything he says is suspect, right? And I thought, well, why would we have any sympathy for the devil? In fact, the short story I did originally was called Sympathy for the Devil, uh, before I expanded out into the novelution. I, I, I actually, I originally wrote it, I never told this story, I originally wrote it for Keith the Candido. Keith was putting together an anthology of novellas, like a long-form long stories, and he only ended up taking, using like a fraction of what he got sent in, and he didn't use mine. And it, to be fair, mine was like the last chapter of that novel, so there wasn't enough, you know, build-up. But, but because I wrote the ending for Keith, I said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and write the other 80% of it. And I said, you know, what would, what would give you sympathy for the devil? Well, if he's actually not guilty this time. And we know it. And so the whole story spun out of the idea of, of an immortal godlike being who has done horrible things and has conquered star empires. I wanted it to be in the future, too. I didn't want it to be like Amber where it's in the present. He's interacting with people today. I wanted it in like a Star Wars universe because I wanted to see that Jack Kirby, Jim Starlin visual of, a, of an Asgardian god fighting a starship, right? That's always been an image in my mind that motivates me in storytelling. One of them is the image of like Thor in space smashing a spaceship. It's one of the reasons I love the Captain Marvel movies because she goes up and blows up spaceships by herself. And I'm like, this is what I want to see in a story. I don't care if, the, you know, anything else, that's what I want to see. And so, so, so I set it in the far future and, and had him uh, basically accused of murdering 75% of the other gods, and he didn't know anything about it. And so the whole story is a murder mystery among the gods in the far future in space. And it all just, it, it, a bunch of weird things that yeah. came together. I've as, read it a hundred times. Yeah, yeah so. And I did it in the first person because that's a very Corwin, you know, Amber Zelazny approach, and it worked really well. It, the interesting thing, too, is the, there's, there's two things about first person. One is it, it's limiting in that you can't tell the audience, the reader, anything the main character doesn't know. You can't say, meanwhile, at the villain's lair, you know, well, oh, no, you can't do that. Uh, the other thing is it inevitably becomes a travelogue. 
right? If it's in first person point of view, it's almost impossible not to do it as a travel log. I did this and then I went here and then I went there and I did this and then I went here. It becomes, you know, like that. It, it becomes just a very linear, real time story, you know? And so because of that, it, it caused me to have to exercise new muscles in terms of telling a story where I couldn't say what was happening elsewhere if he didn't know. And I couldn't break the string. I couldn't say previously, you know, or meanwhile or otherwise. It has to all be linear. So, so that was one of the one of some several things about that book that that were so rewarding to me to write. And that's that's why I'm I'm so glad that people do seem to like it is because it was different, both I think in what it was about and in how it was constructed and how it plays out. So, yeah, I thoughts. I. Uh, wrote a review for Amazon for that he seemed to like he said he said I got the point so <laughs> go read that maybe it'll help you uh, it, a fascinating book though and, and and like everything like everything that Van writes it's I, it has what I call forward motion it keeps pulling you forward yes, that's the plan with it and it, it, it just takes you right along and so it's again it's hard to stop reading it because it's never it never stops yeah can, uh, I, that, can of I ask course, a quick question follow up of course because I know when, when that book came out, it was originally published by another publisher. By Airship, yep. And then you eventually got it back and did your, your you know, published it through Right Rocket. What was, what is your, was your motivation of, or what, why did you decide to stop doing stuff as much for other publishers and focus on your, doing it yourself? Because I've always been curious, because we all do it for different reasons. And I think that every small press club publisher to one degree or another has limitations and strengths and weaknesses and nobody represents their work better nobody represents their work better than they do you know what i mean and so being kind of a perfectionist in terms of i know exactly in my mind how things want to work and i'm capable of doing them handing it over to somebody else and going well that's close the first few years, that was cool. Hey, somebody else approves of it. But when you get enough confidence in yourself that you know you're doing something, you, you feel pretty confident you're doing something good, then you don't want it to be okay. You want it to be exactly the way you want it to be. And I knew exactly how I wanted these things to be. So I still do stuff to other publishers. Alpha Omega is mm. from Pro Se. And I still got stuff with, uh, I still get a check every three months for, uh, for Sherlock Holmes yeah. from Airship. That's for like eleven years now. Yeah. That's like Sherlock Holmes is the gift that just keeps on giving. See, so, um, but but the ones that are like closer to your, I guess, maybe yeah, not closer to your heart. But I mean, the Sentinels are your bread and butter. That's your plan for the future. That's I've never your, let anybody else yeah, touch that's, that. Yeah, so no. so it's certain things that are, that are just like you know that you're going to do those right. yourself, and others you'll okay. And yeah, and Lucian started out with Airship, and I said I appreciate you guys putting it out there. You've had it for four years. Uh, you did a great, you got, uh, I can't think of her name, the lady that did a beautiful cover painting for it and all that, the orange one and everything. Mm -hmm. And that was all great. That's the addition that I have. I it was, was and it was great. Ingrid, Ingrid Hardy. But I, Ingrid Hardy, yeah. But I said, you know, I really want the cover to be black. I want, I want him to look like Loki. I want energy effects, lightning, you know, blue. He's all about blue. He's not orange, you know. And, and so I, I got the cover that I wanted. And, and, then, the, and then, of course, Caroline continues that. Baronet continues that same trend, yeah. Well, it makes branding a little easier, too, when you can yeah. control your own brand. Absolutely. By the way, i got to say, I, I was mentioning this in my reading today. Caroline, I think I was, Caroline just came out a little bit earlier this year, just before Alpha Omega, and 
I had forgotten how much I like that book. I, and I know it sounds weird to say that, especially on a panel where we're talking about my books anyway, but I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I had planned to write, I'd put it off for years writing it because I was just going to tell a Caroline story and that was going to be all. And I'm like, well, that'll be fine, but I want something more, okay? So like, like after I did Lucian, which was a murder mystery, Baranak, Baranak became the origin story. Right, the Baranak book tells where the gods came from, how they came to be, which was a story worthy of a whole other book. I didn't have a story worthy of Caroline. Then I wrote the Legion trilogy, and in the Legion trilogy, uh, Legion One, Legion Two, Legion Three, you see um, a lot more about the futuristic empire at the ground level, the human level, and stuff from that suggested things Caroline would be very upset about and want to do something about. So once I did the Legion trilogy and had the lay of the land in the real worlds of the future at that point in history, because these books cover thousands of years, um, but Caroline's pretty up close to the forward, uh, other, only Hawk, Hawk's way off. But um, right up there, once I knew that, I could sit down with Caroline and write not only a, a story where she kicks butt, but where there's more going on, right? Where it means something to the bigger story. But that just, I had to wait. I, I got Michael Gordon, the great Michael Gordon from, from the Earth Station One podcast, uh, Tiki Zombie. Michael said, there's, he said, there's series that come out that you read chronologically as they were written. There's series that you read chronologically according to the time and the story. And then there's whatever Van's doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and it's funny, but the fact is, I write those as it comes to me. And one suggests the next, suggests the next. So I couldn't write Caroline until the books up to that suggested what would be in there. So that, And there's all people, I'll say this from my part, people always say, well, what order should I read these in? Oh, yeah, he, and I always say, conceptually, <laughs> no. I have read them as he's written them mm -hmm. in that order. And and they do lead one to another, even though they may be separate. They jump around. By, yeah. uh, and I'll tell you how that works. I'm me. sorry. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, it, but it works mm -hmm. when you read it that way. It actually does work that way. Now, the uh, so when we, what, what hasn't really been clear, but is about to be, is that when he wrote Lucian, that, that's a whole different world in which mm. these gods appear but then he wrote Hawk. Yeah. And Hawk, when Hawk came out, that's supposed to be a whole different thing, but yet it involves these gods. It's in that same universe. So even though it's an entirely different matter and it involves the machine and which, that's why think. I call it the machine world. Yeah. Uh, and, and, the, what's, and the shattering, which we'll get into. But that's the same universe that Lucy they, they stand alone on their own, but when you read other books, you get the connection. Absolutely. If you if you read James Clavell, the Asian saga, you can read Shogun, and that's fine. You can read Taipan, and that's fine. You can read Whirlwind, and that's fine. But if you read Noble House, they're in Hong Kong, and a beautiful Eurasian woman who is rumored to have been descended from a British sailor shipwrecked in Japan in 1600 shows up at the, at the building, okay? And you're like, oh, Shogun! And then, you know, they're dealing with the remnants of the Taipan's conflicts back in the 1800s. Oh, Taipan. It all starts coming together. It's the thing they did there. If you read Hawk, you don't really need to read anything else. You got a Hawk story. But if you read Legion 3, no spoilers, if you read Legion 3, suddenly hands of the machine show up. 
Well, that's and that. And, and you're then like, I, oh. I, I, when I read Legion's, there he wrote. So, so what do we have? The, uh, you have your Legion book with you or not? Uh, I've got the Shattering okay, Omnibus, shattering, which is the same. There's a Shattering Omnibus that has these three, the three books, Legion books: The yeah. Lords of Fire, uh, the Sons of Terra, Sons of Terra and, and the Kings of, Kings of Oblivion. And when I got to the last page of Kings of Oblivion. I was freaking out. I was hollering and sitting in my living room going, oh my God, and I was texting about I can't, I can't believe this, because suddenly it was just like, bing, everything came together, because that's going to come up. That I had already read Hawk, and I understood where this leads down the road. So that is how this guy writes. That's the reaction every writer wants right there. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank right. you. Right. And, and sometimes it's not a conscious decision to do these no. things. Sometimes it's just following and knowing your character, and your characters mm -hmm. will connect those dots for you. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. that, I, I yeah. don't know if that was your plan going in, oh, no. or if it just, as you're going on, the characters point you that way. The further along in the shattering I got with all these books, and there's been seven now, because there's the three legion, there's the three gods, and there's Hawk. And the further along I got in it, the more I didn't have to plot as much. You're gonna find this shocking, because you know me yeah, in plotting, right? right? But the further I got along in them, the more it was just, they know what they're doing. They're, this is organic. This is going where it's going. And I'm just, I'm just like transcribing as fast as I can. I, that's, it's, people say that, but it's true. In, in the early days of Van and I knowing each other, we used to have, I wouldn't call them arguments, but we had many wild discussions about the, the pros and cons of outlining. Yeah. You know, Van writes outlines that are bigger than some of the books I write. <laughs> yeah. You know, well. and it's... But I like but to say it works. That. But yeah, yeah but, it, but it I'll forget works everything. For him. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it's not some great thing. It's just I can't remember it, and I don't mm -hmm. want to lose those cool little things. It, it, I mean, it's, yeah, it started. We're talking about before. It started with you and me. You come up with these brilliant ideas. And I'm like, oh crap, I got to write this down because like two days later, I'd be typing and I'd be like, I have no idea what happens next. And I would call Bobby. What happens next? And he's like, well, he he remembered every bit of it. I couldn't remember any of it. Yeah. So the, the funny thing to me is, is we we talked about it one time, and then what I got back, it was like, but that just completely <coughs> undoes everything that I've been writing. You've got to change it back. And I'm like, but well, I like it. this. Like, Dang it. <laughs> yeah, and, then it, and then it's a, how do I get it to work so that we keep the stuff that that Van wrote? You know, that's what I was talking about. That's the great so. thing about collaboration. It's not always smooth and easy, right? I mean, you clash, but you figure it out. You work well, I mean, right, even yeah. even. Just when you're on your own, when your characters just don't want to do what you want them to, it can be, you know, you get a, you, it takes more work, but you get a better story out of it. Sure. Even right. though it's, even though your characters have made your life difficult for them. Well, any story is better when the characters do what the characters want to do rather than when, when they do what you force them to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think readers notice that too. Oh, God, absolutely. You know, they'll, they'll notice when you're making characters act. Absolutely. Odd. Yeah. Yeah. And I do enjoy, by the way, because they're so connected, I've been able to do a lot of cameos in the later books. So like in Caroline, oh my gosh, Lucian shows up in Caroline. His first appearance, well, he has a brief appearance in one of the other books I won't mention. Very brief, very brief. It's probably the one where you were like, holy crap. And then, um, but he shows up as a supporting character in Caroline. And once you read Lucian, you'd know that she's not delighted to see him and so there's a lot of friction there so again it's all organic once you know these characters it kind of it dictates right so well now so we have a second universe that we have been exploring for a while now james you've you read these um I've, I've i've read i've read lucian 
I've read uh, I've read part of Hawk, um, but I, I love Lucian. Lucian's fantastic, um, and I, I appreciated it more after I finally sat down and read uh, Nine Princes in Amber. Yeah, uh, and I and I got what Van was doing. Hmm. Um, it was like, yeah, this is this is like Corwin of Amber. Can I tell you that that reminds me the. And this is this is like my favorite dragon. Well, until tonight, <laughs> my favorite Dragon Con moment ever was I I was doing before I started having a table. So I I don't have a book signing anymore because I have a table. So if I want something, you know, I'm there all the time, quote unquote. But um, <laughs> yeah, everybody just been, everybody in the room's been looking for me and they're never finding. They're like, he's there all the time. This is news. What? That's why everybody keeps thinking that Brett is me. That's, and thank that's you, Brett. Why, that's why Brett cosplays his van at the convention. So it's, 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 yeah, it's. But but I had a I had a, an autograph table, and you know I get a handful of people and that's great. Um, the the reading is much better because all you a bunch of you guys come and that's awesome. But but at the autograph table this one year. And it was funny, too, because there was a more big-time author right next to me that witnessed the whole thing, and we talked about it afterward. This guy comes up, and he's got a book bag, and he comes up, and he plops it down the floor, and he pulls out Lucian and Baranak when the, when, before Caroline was out, right? Pulls out Lucian and Baranak. And he says, he says, a friend of mine saw you here last year, and he bought copies of this. And he told me that you write just like Roger Zelazny, and I said, bullshit. <laughs> and so I bought these to prove him wrong, and you do. And I fell down and like hugged him. I hugged that gentleman. Because I'm like, I said, I can, I'm done now. I, that's all I need to hear, man. So that was a, that was a moment, right? Because that's the thing that you dream of is that somebody compares you in the same breath to the, to the person who you, know, you idolize as a writer. Yeah, that, that was amazing. So you have, with this, you have with the Sentinels, you have his superhero take. With these, well, this one, and the other two God stories, you have the Zelazny touch, yeah. so to speak. But then you come to this military stuff, yeah, which is... Completely different. Van reads Warhammer forty thousand. <laughs> yeah, and, and so that and the, so the the Shattering series, which uh, is the three we talked about, the legions. And but the first one of those was Hawk. Yeah. Which uh, which comes way back further on in history, and when I read it, it was if if I had to absolutely recommend one book of yours to somebody, that would be the book. That has been my one of my favorite okay. books. Big, but there's reference to what you know because of breeding Lucian there's references to it in there so what here's my question for you what led you toward Hawk where did that come from I know there's others in that series that aren't written yet well it was it was when I was staying with Bobby and doing the the Sentinels and I thought well am I just going to be a superhero writer or am I going to do something else and I was thinking, well, what other kind of characters in that same genre? This was bef before I was wanting to do actual science fiction. I was like, you know, what other kind of heroic characters like that do I like? Like, what about the cosmic Marvel stuff and all? And I'm going to say Star Lord, and you're going to think about Chris Pratt. <laughs> but I'm not. Ta I'm talking about the 1970s Marvel pre premiere preview, whichever it was, yeah. black and yeah. white, black and white magazine where he's a lone warrior with a ship. And I, and I also thought about Galen in Crusade, 
the lone guy with a super high-tech ship and all kind of personal weapons. And I said, I want a guy that's not so much the mysterious wizard like Galen, but I want a guy that's more like the... And then I started watching Justified. I said, I want Raylan Givens in his black Lincoln Town car in outer space. And you appreciate that, right, as a fellow Justified fan, right? Oh, yeah. And so I, I, that's where I want it. And I said... But he can't. It can't just be a police procedural where everything is fine and he's on the patrol. So this needs to be a post-apocalyptic universe where something terrible has happened, some kind of I don't know shattering perhaps. And so he's patrolling after the fall of civilization. He's patrolling the ruins after civilization has fallen, and he's one of the few people left who has that level of technology you know, to, to do it. And then they're, and then they're entered into it at that point because there's some big menace approaching. They're entered into it, the flash Gordon element, which is the hero has to get the other potentially heroic, but not necessarily yet characters on the same page to work together. And in this case, it's the other hands that no longer had an organization and have just become spread out. And he's got to pull them back together for one last, you know, hurrah. So there was a lot of little things that went into that. And then, and by the way, while I'm thinking about it, once that was done, then I started thinking, well, what caused the galaxy to shatter? I said, I probably should write a book before Hawk that tells, and then end up being three. (laughs) That's why this is called The Shattering. That's why I go back and forth. It's the Legion trilogy because it's about the legions, but it's the shattering because ultimately it tells the story of how the galaxy shattered in the first place and left things in the situation that Hawk finds them when he wakes up screaming and naked in the shattered galaxy. Exactly. So you see how this all is progressing. But it is in a universe where these gods exist, Mm -hmm. and and to some extent... there is some intervention there, but also more than that, uh, there's a problem with the worship. Who worships who yeah. within these these books as well? Uh, because there are bad people in the government. And there's gods. a and there's a question over the over nature. I mean, a, a big part of it that I started even with Lucian is, if you are the god of evil, are you really evil, or is that just the job title you put on at work? Like if if you take orders at McDonald's, are you a McDonald's order taker or are you a human being with your own values and that's just what you do on your job? And so all the way through Lucian, Lucian keeps telling people, people are like, why should I believe you? you're the god of evil? And he's like, that's just my job, man. I'm me, you know. I, I, I show up for work and punch the clock and do god of evil stuff, but at home, I'm, you know. He's kind of, he's kind of like that cartoon dog. And yes. That's what the coyote, around, right. Yeah. Right. And so all the way through those gods' stories, there's, the, there's this question of, you know, who are we really, and is it who we purport to be, or who is it inside? That's kind of where yeah, I'm going with that. That's what they call their, uh, we have our aspect. Aspect, yeah. yeah. And the well, aspect is who they my aspect is not my nature. Yeah. yeah right. He says that a bunch. My aspect right. is not it's necessarily my nature. It's kind of like in, in Lord of Light where some of these gods are, they're forced into that aspect by their, right. their worshipers. Yeah. Now, they don't want to do that. They have to do that. Well, plus, if you think about it, Lucian's definition of evil is going to be different than Baranak's definition of evil. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so there is that. definition st- of evil yeah. is anything Lucian does. Exactly. But yeah, but it's, you know, because they've just got that. Which which does allow bad character. That's how that what allows a lot of bad characters to do bad things for good reasons. So my, okay, now so my subtitle of this thing, remember, was fifty minutes is not enough, and we're coming up on the fifty minutes. 
And so one of the things that I'm interested in you getting into a little bit, and I see, because it means we got to leave out all of these short stories that he's written and, that have added, you know. There's a whole book of them over That's there. a panel for next year. Yeah, we'll go ahead and plan, plan that but, now. Oh, I'm Lord. really interested in this comic thing. Mm. And okay. because yeah. this is a whole new, like, I mean, what what led Van to all of this to begin with was what the, you said the other day, the third grade, he read the Avengers. The Avengers 162. that was the beginning of it. And now at, the, at this particular stage, he's gone back to inking a comic, oh, not inking, but Jared's writing, this, writing, writing for it. Jared's doing the comic. So Jared, how did that, what drew you into Cold Lightning and what made you think that was a comicable book? Oh, goodness. Well, not already, comic. Comicable. <laughs> comicable. That's a good word. That's a thing now. Uh, like I told you, I just asked Van, hey, have you ever thought about turning this universe into a comic? And he just said, yeah. And I had some uh, art connections and I said, well, maybe we get so-and-so on the book and we get so-and-so on the book. You actually got the penciler through, I think, yeah. Bobby. Bobby yeah. used and, the and Michael Gordon, the two of them. Yeah, yeah. We'd we'd work. I'd worked with uh, Wendell on a couple of projects. Yeah, we used Wendell Cavalcani um, out of South America. Yeah, he got a Brazil. Up yeah, there. yeah. And so, so he he um got here had a lead on a penciler, and I just I don't know. I kind of view myself, and Van might view this differently, but as like the the pusher guy. Like, oh yeah. All right, Van. Well, now I never would have done it. Let's go crowdfund this, and you've got a penciler, and I'll mm-hmm. link it, and I know this guy who can color it, and I'll do a I'll do a cover, and I know another guy who does cover work, and we'll get him to do it, and I'll link that cover, and, and Van's just like, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and what gets me is that he was so. It wasn't that he was trying to avoid doing it, but it was never on your hit list because I knew how much you were an Avengers fan. And like with the, and doing those Avengers uh, books that, that you guys did, for yeah, Charity assembled and, assembled one or two, yeah. And so, so knowing you were that big of a fan of the comics, it always surprised me that you seemed resistant to doing the comic. Was it's it the just, format, or was it? No, and and I, and script writing turned out to be fun and a great challenge. I've always said the writing the three scripts for this, the three issues. Here's the first one, was one of the most amazing challenges because you have to both tell the story effectively and you have to suddenly think so much more about formatting and pacing and structure of the story when you're writing a novel you can just go Mm -hmm. just go but with a comic you've got to think pound 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 page where am i sitting here am i sitting here you know what and (laughs) it's like it's like blocking out a movie it's a totally different exercise Mm -hmm. from writing prose and and, and, so, a, and a lot of it's a lot of it's stuff you will never see. Yeah, like, oh yeah. Like most of his writing on it's the, the comic. scaffolding behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, right. Because you're writing for these guys mm-hmm. as opposed as like an instruction manual. Oops. Yeah, instruction now, manual. Man, Cold Lightning. That's a short. I don't know. Read it. About a hundred page yeah. novella. Is it in? Is it in your yeah. omnibus? It is in multiplex. Yes. Multiplex. So if you want to read the story yeah. that led to this, that's, yeah. that's available for you. Huh? Yeah. It was the funny thing. There is. I had the flu and I was out of work for a week. And I was lying on the couch, and I got my iPad out, and I just started writing. I said, you know, I said, I want to do a story that's a, a spinoff, like a side story from the Legions. But I want it to not—this is generals, right? This is generals and the Inquisition and the church. This is, you know, this is like the big leagues. You know, the characters in this are, 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 are commanders of star fleets and generals and all doing stuff. I said, I want— uh, a commando team, like those great World War II movies, where they have to go into Nazi Germany and and go into a you know Nazi fortress and stuff and rescue the you know the the, the officer. Like where where eagles dare? I wanted like the where eagles dare of sci- of military science fiction. And so I put together that team, 
and um, made them a diverse crowd of uh, officers and the, the church lady. There's there's Jared's original. The other side. He, that's Jared, yeah, original art on the back. Um, and I wanted him to just go on a mission, you know, just a fun mission. And, I, and it took me all week lying there on the couch with the flu. I typed it on my iPad. And, and put it out as just a limited edition novella on Kindle. It's a cool sort of heist story. It's a Yeah, yeah. it kind of is. Yeah, space heist. Yeah. I think I described it as if you took G.I. Joe and Star Trek and put it in a blender with an Alistair MacLean novel. <laughs> it is. Alistair <laughs> MacLean is exactly. <laughs> Alistair MacLean is exactly, yeah, because I'd been watching and reading like Where Eagles Dare and Ice Station Zebra and Force 10 from Navarone and all that. And I, I said, I want to do a science fiction story like that. You know, if Alistair McLean was alive today, he'd do a science fiction story. And I said, let's do something like that. So, And that's funny because I would, I would, when I read it, I was like, oh, I see your G.I. Joe influence. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, he didn't know, he didn't know about G.I. Joe. But it, minutes, if you, anybody here has ever read well, Joe, I'm a big Joe fan. Question. Oh, okay, good. Uh, Two-part. Uh, hmm. Yeah, let's do questions. Which one? Vanadium. Vanadium, yeah. My wife's favorite character. Uh, and, and is that... Uh, that's funny. It's Bobby's fault. My question is too far. It's Bobby's fault because what happened was I had read that Avengers comic back in the 70s where they fought the elements of evil or whatever, the elementals. And I remember one of them was called Vanadium. It was the first time I'd ever heard of Vanadium. And I thought, hey, that's got my name in it. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and so, you know, a few years later, when I'm first coming up with those characters, way before I ever wrote anything with them, we were just like, you know, Andy and I and other people were just drawing cartoons of them and stuff in, in high school and stuff. Um, I called him Vanadium. And so when it came time for Bobby and me, we started creating <coughs> the Sentinels. I said, shouldn't we change his name? Is that a little too on the nose? And Bobby's like, no, nah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's fine. So he, he, he gave me the blessing, and I, and I went with it. So, yes, sir. The part is, of all the characters and all the sounds, where did the concept of how to do Shiva? Shiva. Oh, that, that evolved. That's, that's a little story there. I teach religion, in part, in, in Illinois. And so I had to learn, when I started teaching that class, I had to learn a lot myself that first year because I didn't know a lot of things, you know. And um, I was teaching Hinduism even as I was learning it. And I, th I started thinking after the first three Sentinels books, I thought, well, we kind of have, and I, I don't like using these analogies because I don't feel like I ripped anything off, but just in broad strokes, I'm like, I kind of have a Captain America, Superman guy. I kind of have a Vision guy, you know. I kind of got all these, I said, I need a god. And I thought, well, the Norse gods have been done to death. The Olympian gods have been done to death. And I thought, well, who, who, does, who do the Hindus have that would be an action, action hero god? Shiva, because he's blue, he's powerful, and he's got a trident of destruction. And so Chris drew him as like this big, tall, muscle-bound version. The Hindus don't draw him like that. No, they make him very feminine looking. But Chris drew him like, you know, Superman with a trident. And I'm like, I know. And I said, well, that's it. That's it. So, yeah, that was the origin, yeah. Studying religion and wanting something different from what we always get. That's cool. Okay, <laughs> there is one thing that I want to mention because this also had an effect on my life. And that was that, well, there's a little story behind this, actually. And it's a very brief story. But I was with the, I think Bobby was there. And I know you were there. And David Wright was there. We can't, we haven't been able to totally identify everybody that was there. It was at the Kobe Steakhouse. In oh, yeah. Yeah, you were there. And I, I described this to my wife later. I said it was the most extraordinary conversation on 
anything I've ever sat in because I, I, I'm an intelligent individual, I think, but I couldn't understand anything they were talking about. It was about the Avengers, and it went something like this. In issue 152, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they went, no, 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 what's 152? That was in 163, because remember in 152 this happened, and that led to issue 74. This is every this geek conversation series. ever. Larry just was putting and, his first toe into it. What, listening to all of this, which was incomprehensible to me, but, uh, but that was when the Avengers was, the, the movie was a, a, a going to come out, yeah, but wow. it wasn't had yet. And I don't remember which of the movies had come out. I don't think very many, maybe only yeah. one or two. Yeah, that, was, that was still very early. Yeah, yeah, very early. But we knew they were planning. But the so they were talking yeah. like this. Well, I found out I had actually, uh, and so the assembled books are still available, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So he edited two books called Assembled One and Assembled Two. And they are essentially the stories of the Avengers. It's kind of a layout of the, how the Avengers were. And you did this for charity. Mm -hmm. So the so proceeds go to charity. And so I had gotten, I think the first one, and maybe both of them, but I hadn't read it yet. So after this conversation, uh, I went home. We, we sent him home with homework. Reading homework Here's your textbooks. Well, that drew me into the Avengers because I didn't understand all of that before. But reading it through all the changes, the first book basically goes through the, the years and the different editors. Uh, the and, and then yeah. the second one is about the characters. Yeah. So you learned a lot. And you have, a, a, and it's an editing thing. I mean, there, I think, I don't know who all's got stuff in there. I know Joe Crow had some funny stuff. In a lot, there. yeah, lots of folks mm. got to put. But stuff But there are a lot there. of people that had information. A lot of people from that group that, that Bobby and I. I, I wasn't. I know David in did. That. And yeah. There's a lot of people that Bobby and I put together originally that mailing list. Yeah. We still stuck around. We're still on the Facebook group right together. So, all these twenty-something years. So later. those books are still available. So if you are still mystified by the whole business of the Avengers, and guess what? <laughs> when, this is what's funny. When when. Uh, when we got to uh, Civil War, I knew who the Winter Soldier was because I'd read his book. <laughs> I know who this is. So we spoiled it for you, what you're saying. No, oh, no, no, that's yeah. good. And, and, but there, there's, there's, and then there's some other things that have happened since then. But, but those, those are also, that's another area of his writing was actually taking this thing he loves so much and writing and editing it two was books. the title it was funny is we had talked about doing something like that for a while and nobody really was getting that excited about it on that in that group and then one day that title came to me i said because i was wanting i was wanting a title that wouldn't get us sued yeah <laughs> so i couldn't call it avengers the guidebook you know uh -huh. and all of a sudden i went avengers assemble assemb assembled and I thought, that sounds like a lot of those unlicensed, unofficial guidebooks, right? Yeah. And I said, assembled with an exclamation point, and we make it look like Captain America's chest. Yeah. And then we made the second one look like Iron Man's. There was going to be a third one, and I've got the cover still. It's got Thor's chest with the, with the discs and stuff. But we just never got that one together. It just it kind of ran out of steam after two. But the two, I'm very happy with. So, so those are still available. Yeah. So if you want to get a really insider's take, because I'm not a deep Avengers fan, but I, you know, so if I need a, I can, again, one of my favorite moments was watching the Avengers, the first one, the second time I saw it, with Van on one side of me and David Wright on the other side, talking to each other about what they were seeing in the movie as they were watching it. Oh, did you see that? You see what that is? 
And it was. Uh, and this I'm, is every was, geek conversation ever. Larry's just discovering it the hard way. Yeah, yeah right. And so it was. It was fine. It was. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah, I, I think he thought that night we went out to dinner that we were going to have like intelligent conversations <laughs> about writing and the, and the convention. And he's just like, at one point, he just goes, "I have no idea what you guys are talking he, he about." He wandered into a comic <laughs> shop basically instead of a dinner. Yeah. So. Oh, but oh. It, it was. It was. It was a. It was a life changing experience. That's for sure. It drew me into the. Because he went home to kill himself. <laughs> so, well, so we've got, we've covered, now we've covered all of these universes. Yeah. You know, we've, we've talked about the Sentinels. We've talked about the Shattering Universe or well, the, the machine. machine the, however you, you want to call it. You don't know what the machine is, do you? You, f- you start to find that out in Caroline. Caroline has a lot of answers yep. I wasn't expecting to put in it. Yes, but we're not. You don't want to start with that. No, no you got to work no. your way up to the. Well, you got to go to Lucian first, and then go through them in the right order. Or and you can read the Legion books. It just kind of, you know, either way you want. It'll find you. But but whatever whatever you want to read, you're going to like it. So that's our Van Allen Plexico. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you guys up here. Thank all you guys that came. Thank Sue and the and the track and everybody because seriously, you guys have no idea. Well, you probably do, but you have no idea what it means to me that any number of people care. Okay, so thank you I, from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Quality base here. The Eagle has landed. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.